This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome into NFL Friday. My name is David Spampanato, joined by Jack Reagan, Lauren Russell, Jackson Heil across from me with the fantasy updates. We re- re- reach week eight of the season, which means it starts to get cold out, which means people start to get sick. So I'm starting to get sick, and you might be able to hear it in my voice. But there's a lot of teams at this point in the season that are, are maybe surprising some people. Um, and maybe a lot of teams that are disappointing some people. But last night we got to see a look at two teams that are just kind of middling, just kind of treading water, keeping their heads um, maybe in the AFC wildcard race, Houston and Miami. Houston with that 42-23 win. So, Jack, I'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from that Houston-Miami matchup? Yeah, like you said, it's two teams that no one is really too sure how good they are on either side. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels between them. Uh, they're both they're both uh, middling out, like you said, uh, record-wise. They both are kind of stacked with talent at receiver and running back. But um, but as for the game, you know, just as uh, just when I'm out in Deshaun, I sold all my Deshaun stock. He just pulls me back in like he always does. Um, he had a stellar game last night, five touchdowns, and I think um, I think Brock and the Dolphins did enough to win last game. But when that offense is hot with Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, Lamar Miller, um, there's no stopping them, and I think that just Dolphins were a victim of that. I got to say the same thing. The biggest thing I took away was do not doubt Deshaun Watson. I mean, I did. Had him on my fantasy bench. I've repeated that a lot of times because I feel bad for myself. But you can't doubt him. Five touchdowns. Uh, he was really – I really felt like he was airing out the ball last night. And there was just a lot of, like, oh, my God, plays last night. You had the DeAndre Hopkins catch. That got called back because of a flag. But that was just an insane catch. The Danny Amendola passing touchdown. The – Again. I mean, he's when is he gonna play quarterback? <laughs> I mean, if Brock Osweiler keeps this up, we could end up seeing a Danny Amendola mm. maybe platoon at quarterback because Brock Osweiler is just not getting the job done in Miami. And you know, for Miami, they, they still have two New England games. I mean, I know that New England tends to struggle when they go into Miami, and I, I think a Brock Osweiler. Miami New England matchup is just recipe for disaster for New England. Oh uh, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Brock Osweiler is going to get it done in, in uh, New England or in Miami for that matter. This doesn't have enough weapons, and for that, and on the same note, I don't even think Ryan Tannehill will get it done against them. Um, but what do you think, Laura? No, yeah, definitely. The Dolphins they had their hot start to the season. They're making a little noise there, but no, there's no way Tom Brady's going to lose to the Dolphins right now. You know, the Patriots they had their little falls I guess in the beginning of the season but at this point yeah the Patriots are the Patriots right now and the Dolphins are the Dolphins right now and the Patriots they beat the Dolphins and that's what's gonna happen I'm not fully sold on the Patriots just being totally locked in at this point are are you in that I mean no I feel like you always want to doubt Tom Brady and like being a Giants fan I feel like uh I I don't know I feel like I'm supposed to doubt Tom Brady because I'm a Giants fan but no that's it's called being biased but no I I think Tom Brady he still he still has it left in him uh, I don't. But they haven't really like, convinced anyone that they're such that that they're this unbelievable team. I mean, they went and beat Miami when they played them at home. But other than that, I mean, they had a, the score will tell you that they beat up the Colts pretty good. They escaped against the Chiefs. They barely got by against the Bears. Luckily, Kevin White didn't get into the end zone there. But same thing. I mean, Houston barely got by, and then they go and lose to Detroit. They lose to a Jacksonville team that has proven that they're not very good at this point. I mean, which is kind of contingent on how Blake Bortles plays, but. 
I don't know. I'm just not really sold on on what the Patriots are at this point. I mean, they play the Bills this week, and then they have the Packers, Titans, Jets. Anything can happen. I don't know. I just don't see the Patriots cruising through the regular season. Yeah, but David, sorry, to, I don't want to cut you off or anything. But what do you say to like the people that say the Patriots don't play their best football in September? They get better as the year goes on. No, I mean they've shown that at times, but. I don't know. I mean, I just see the Packers and the Vikings on their schedule, and it only gets tougher from here. They have the Steelers, and then they have a bunch of divisional games where anything can happen. Mm. You know, you might say the Bills are far worse than the Patriots, but it's divisional. Anything can happen, you know. I would I'd say the Bills would love to come out and just spoil the Patriots season and be motivated because that's going to be their Super Bowl the rest of the year, those two Patriots games. They don't really have anything else to play for. So I, I could see that happening. I know what you're saying in terms of the Patriots don't play their best football in September, but... I mean, you can't lose to the Lions. Now that we know what the Jaguars could possibly be, you can't lose to the Jaguars. And I just feel like they had their hiccups. Like, with Belichick as a coach, I feel like the hiccups are, I don't want to say they're over with now, but I feel like you have to have faith in them throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have some faith in them, but at this point in the AFC, I don't know if there's anyone that I trust outside of Kansas City that would absolutely be the best team in that that conference. I mean, New England, Kansas City, besides that, it's just bad. Yeah, but I would say what Lauren Lauren said, um, they're one of the best coach teams in football, and with all these roughing the passer penalties, the Patriots are the second least penalized team in the NFL, only to the Giants, and the Giants are really a nothing (laughs) team at this point. Um, So of the good teams, they're the least penalized team in the NFL, and in today's today's NFL, that's everything. Yeah, I... I think I think penalties are a huge thing. Obviously, penalties kill you, and they're they're going to be a disciplined team. Obviously, I'm bringing up Belichick again. Um, there's the whole talk about uh, Patterson fumbling last week, and oh, if he's going to get cut because of Bel- this <laughs> Belichick's way or whatever. But uh, I just I think they're too disciplined of a team. I, and like you were saying, Kansas City is really the only threat I would see to them, and they did escape that game. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm still honestly, I still I'm I'm kind of I do believe in Patrick Mahomes but I think postseason down the line there that's where it's gonna get interesting but for regular season I would say I would say Patriots are I think they're gonna be fine I don't think we're gonna have any of these oh what's going on with Tom Brady and Belichick and oh is Tom Brady aging I don't think that's gonna be a factor throughout the rest of the regular season shifting gears to the NFC the Rams 7-0 they're the only undefeated team left in the NFL they've kind of Stolen the conversation in the NFL. Their point differential is plus 107, which is just unprecedented. No one's even close to 100 in the rest of the league. They go out and they just destroy whoever they play. Is there anyone that you guys feel in the NFC that could potentially compete with the Rams? I definitely don't think so. I mean, they're far and away, I think, in my opinion, the best team in the NFL, let alone the NFC. Todd Gurley is an absolute machine right now. Jared Goff is, I think all he has to do is be a game manager with the offense he has, and he's doing that and so much more. Um, but what do you think, Lauren? Yeah, I definitely, I don't see anyone competing with them right now. They went out, they spent money on that defense. And, you know, you don't know, uh, even if you spend money on defense, there's no guarantee that they're all, all the players are going to mesh and that's going to come together. And the defense is playing fine, and obviously the offense is crazy good with McVay as the head coach there. Gurley's insane. And Jared Goff, you know, Jared Goff's not bad. I think he can be more than a game manager. Uh, he's still a young quarterback, and I think they're going to be dangerous way way into the playoffs there yeah I mean the the two or three teams in the north are the ones that I could see competing and then again everyone sleeps on New Orleans you know everyone doesn't think that this is a team that is made for the playoffs you know they only have that one Super Bowl Drew Brees is only getting older but 
you know, they've won five in a row. They dropped that game, that first game against Tampa Bay, and since then, they've been really, really good. I mean, they've stumbled at times. Against the Giants, they weren't perfect. Um, they let the Giants hang around, but again, that's a talented Giants team that's hung around against other really good teams. So, I, I mean, a lot of people sleep on the Saints. This is the only team to me that I could see overtaking the Rams right now. That being said, if the Vikings and Packers get hot at this point in the season, you know, with the with the ability that they have at quarterback, I think it can be done that one of these two teams could end up being better than the Rams. But yeah, again, you you mentioned an interesting team in the Vikings. I think they still have the bones of really good defense, although they've taken a couple steps back this mm-hmm. year. Um, Kirk Cousins is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. He's very one good. One of the best? I think he's one of the best. I think people okay. sleep on Kirk Cousins. Hold on, let's slow down there before we get <laughs> If you watch else. him play, if you watch him play, he makes very little mistakes. And with the weapons he I mean, has. That's a, this is a 15 interception guy we're talking about, though. I don't know. I, I no, like that, that's what he's done. That's what he's proven to be. He's proven to be a 15 interception guy. I mean, I think when we look around the league and we see Rodgers, Brady, Breeze at this point, Mahomes, Goff. You know, when I say one of the Russell best, Wilson, I mean, I mean one of the twelve best, fifteen best, sure, but I mean, ten. I mean, you're middling. That like that's where you might lose me. I mean, ten to eleven, I don't know, but I don't know. Considering one of the best, one what? of the top thirty percent in the league. I mean, when I think of the best, I'm thinking Rogers, Brady, Breeze. Of course, I mean, Redskins, Kirk. There's no way I would ever say that. But the with the weapons he has here, with Dalvin Cook, not even not even going to be a factor. Dalvin Cook. He has Latavius Murray, who steps up week in and week out whenever Dalvin Cook goes down. Adam Thielen, who is legitimately the best receiver in the league, the past seven weeks he's had over 100 yards receiving. With those kind of weapons, I think I think he's up there. That's what I was going to say. Not that I do think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I just think he's in a good situation right now. He's on a really good team. He has decent running backs. He has Adam Thielen. He has Stephon Diggs. He has Kyle Rudolph. He has weapons around him. He has a decent offensive line. It's He's in a good situation, but you see what Rodgers is doing. Uh, up there in the north too with no one really and no defense really and that's why I, I I don't think he's a top quarterback but in the situation he's doing it's making him look good so also in the NFC the Giants making a lot of noise this week um and for all the wrong reasons really I mean they're you know they were supposed to compete they were supposed to be a playoff team and now they go and they're it's a fire sale I mean they're they go and trade off Eli Apple they go and trade off Damon Harrison and I don't think it's done yeah, no, I think Janoris Jenkins may be next to go. He has a big contract, and he's a lot of. Ta- I think he has too much talent for a one and six team. It'd be too easy to deal him. I think I think Jenkins is definitely a lock to go. I mean, I don't want to say a lock, but if someone will take him, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you know, if there's someone I gotta say, sixth, I don't think sixth or seventh, maybe. I mean, with the amount of money he has and the way he's played this year, I don't know if he's getting more than that. Yeah. You think? You don't think? I, I mean, Apple was a fourth and a fourth seventh. Is- you know, and Apple is a cheaper contract and he's younger mm-hmm. you know Jenkins is he's owed like 40 million dollars you know so this isn't a cheap contract that someone's going to take on I yeah I guess if the price is right but what I feel like they're not that they're desperate to trade but they want to get these guys out and it just they're really going to rebuild from the ground up and they're gonna I don't think anyone is untouchable I would say except mm-hmm. for Saquon probably and maybe I don't want to say Odell's untouchable but after they just paid him I don't think he's going anywhere but I, I've seen people ask, like, oh, would Landon Collins go? Would Sterling Shepard go? And I feel like Landon Collins, though, I, let, me know what you, let me know what you guys think about this, would be someone they would want to rebuild around. He's a captain on that defense. He's had maybe a little bit of a down year, but they're also 1-6, so who hasn't had a down year? But I feel like he's someone you're going to want to have stick around just for the culture in the locker room. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll go to Jackson's fantasy update, and then we'll go into my Giants report and discuss Giants coming out of this break.
Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. All right, guys, I look at starters and must-start receivers this week. It's got to be Robert Woods against the Packers. Surprisingly enough, he is actually the leading receiver on that Rams offense. It's not Cooper Cup. It's not Brandon Cooks. It's actually Robert Woods in that dynamo, and there's going to be no Cooper Cup this week. He's doubtful to play against the Packers. For Woods, at least five receptions and a minimum of 78 yards in every game since week two. He's been really impressive. He's also a touchdown threat against a weak Packers secondary, particularly without Cooper Cup. He's a must-start in every league. I'm going to go to the Colts. I'm going to go with Marlon Mack against the Raiders. He's only really played in three games thus far this year. The past two weeks, though, 12 for 89 versus the Jets. And then last week against Buffalo, 18 carries, 126 yards, and two touchdowns versus the Bills. He's becoming the bell back, cow back for the Colts. The Raiders are averaging 4.7 yards per carry against a 22nd in the league. And if the Colts get out and an early lead, it could be an even better game that accentuates his underrated and efficient value. Finally, I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen against the Jets because he's a guy who's a really interesting option because Jordan Howard was probably the guy who was expected to be the main back with the Bears, but Cohen's actually been the guy who's been the more efficient back of the two, not really in the run game, but in the passing game. At least seven receptions in his last three games. He does have three scores in that time frame. He is a scoring threat. He is taking on the Jets this week, so again, not particularly bad in terms of covering running backs. They held Marlon, Marvin Mack a few weeks ago to just one catch. Latavius Murray really wasn't able to get going in the passing game last week, but again, Cohen is Mitch Trubisky's safety blanket. He does everything for them offensively, and I believe he's going to have another big week this upcoming week. I'm big on Robert Woods. I'm, in, I'm all in on that. I am too. I mean, I mean, considering they got him from Buffalo for virtually nothing. Yeah. And he was kind of a no name. Like he a really slot, was. Like... And now he's their top receiver. I mean, he's had a better year than Brandon Cooks. He's had a better year than Cooper Cup. And obviously, Gurley's the main guy there. But yeah. I mean, Woods. I was looking. I believe he's the tenth ranked wide receiver in all fantasy right now. So he's definitely it. an interesting option. And with no Cup, he's gonna have a monster game. Yeah, I'll take it. So with that. Um, We'll go right into my giant support for week eight. There's a luxury fire sale in North Jersey. This week, the Giants traded off two of their most valuable defensive assets. They sent defensive tackle Damon Snacks Harrison to Detroit for a 2019 fifth round pick and cornerback Eli Apple to New Orleans for a fourth and seventh round pick in this year's draft. Giants GM Dave Gettleman's goal with these moves is to clear his team's inflated payroll created by his predecessor Jerry Reese and also to get draft picks back for players he will likely cut in the offseason. Big Blue still has several talented veterans with hefty contracts that they would like to get rid of namely pass rusher Olivier Vernon and corner Janoris Jenkins. Both players are still owed upwards of $70 million combined over the next three years. While it's smart for Gettleman to sell off these players while they still have value on the market, there's still football left to be played in 2018. This week, the Washington Redskins come into town atop the NFC East. The Redskins aren't a flashy team, and they're not one that's going to wow you with their play on the field. However, they feature a stout run defense that ranks third in rush yards allowed per game, and ranks 7th in the league in points allowed per game. The Giants have shown that they're a solid offensive team between the 20-yard lines, 
but hit a wall once they reach striking distance. Eli Manning's completion percentage in the red zone is 39%, and he's done so with the sixth most passing attempts in that territory. Yes, it is on the offensive line to protect the 15-year vet, but last week was a clear display that Manning is not a good red zone quarterback. He opted to throw across his body to a smothered Scott Simonson instead of a wide-open Odell Beckham on fourth down. Despite the red zone shortcomings, Manning showed he's still able to throw the ball deep when given time. Saquon Barkley failed to eclipse 100 yards from scrimmage for the first time in his career last week, but the rookie running back will continue to keep his head down and keep chugging. On the medical side, the Giants will be without middle linebacker Alec Ogletree. With three new defensive starters on Sunday, the Giants won't be able to put it together to beat the first place Redskins. Giants fall to 1-7 and and a 30-16 loss. Covering Big Blue, I'm David Spampanato, WFUV Sports. So Giants down to 1-7, and seven, I've got them at. This was a team I picked to go 10-6 and six preseason, so I'm a little embarrassed that this is the point we've gotten to. Um, but Lauren, I want to go back to your point with, with Landon Collins and how they might sell him off. I could see it. You know, I could see someone wanting him. His his contract expires at the end of the year. But would you want to build around him and say, like, okay, this is a young defensive piece that we want moving forward? I say if you can get – they're obviously going to have to re-sign him eventually, but I think he's the kind of character you want in that locker room. Like a Jamal Adams kind mm-hmm. of, like the way the Jets did exactly, that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think a lot of emphasis was going to be put on that, that this year, and it kind of fell through. But I think that's what they're looking for. They want that great character in the locker room. They want a cohesive unit in the locker room. And I think he's the leader of that defense right now with Snacks Harrison gone. So I say try to hold on to him if you can. Yeah, and while he is a leader and this is sort of a Giants fire sale going on, I think you don't trade Landon Collins because he is the most talented player on your defense and certainly someone to build around. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are going to be calling, though. You know, with Kansas oh, City oh, with definitely. Eric Berry oh, yeah. out. Seattle with Earl Thomas out, and Seattle's just kind of trying to get whatever they can out of this team, you know, because they've made it clear they're not going to sell off, but they might have a shot at potentially sneaking into a wild card in the NFC. So I could see a team like that or Atlanta maybe, you know, but I I feel like everyone gets so obsessed with building around certain positions. Like everyone's like, why would you draft Saquon? They should have drafted a quarterback, whatever. You got to build around the quarterback. You don't have to build around the quarterback. Look at the Rams. Look at the Chiefs. Those pieces were there before the quarterback got there. Now, I think if the Giants go out and draft, no, I think they will, and I think they probably should, go out and draft Justin Herbert out if of he Oregon. Declares. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> he declares. Hopefully. Or Drew Locke from Missouri, Ryan Finley from NC State. These are kind of the quarterback names being tossed around for this class. It's not a great class. But if you go and plug him in with the Giants, I mean, I still don't think he's going to succeed. Now, I'm probably more critical of Eli than anyone, but I still don't think that that guy is going to succeed with the line that he has and the defense in absolute turmoil. So are you saying keep Eli on for next year? Don't draft a quarterback? <sighs> to be honest, I don't have another option right now. And, you know, I'm going to hope that – and, look, I'm I'm in the camp that says we got to get Eli out of here because we don't know what he is. I'd say give Kyle Oletta a shot. See what he's got. Give him a shot by, like, week 10, you know, two to four weeks. Give him a shot. See what he's got, and if he's really talented, then you don't have to go and draft a quarterback. You can maybe trade back, get even more assets that you've already got, draft an offensive lineman, you know, draft a defensive player, do something like that. Get your team really solid, and then get your quarterback in there. 
My right. thing with that, sorry, I just cut you off. Of course, yeah. My thing with that is, okay, throwing Laletta in there isn't going to hurt, but how how true of an evaluation are you going to get on him out of him with that offensive line and with the team in the state that it is right now? I mean, yes, obviously throwing him out there isn't going to hurt, but are you going to see enough to decide, okay, we're not going to draft a quarterback again when we have a high pick in the draft? You could. Probably the number one overall pick. You could. I mean... Look at what Jimmy Garoppolo did in San Francisco. You know, I mean, he had proven that he was something, that he was an NFL quarterback. Loletta has not done that yet. And he went into San Francisco, and he won a bunch of games. He won five games in a row. Mm. And then they said, okay, this is going to be our guy. And I think if he can elevate the level of the Giants' play, I think it's kind of a win-win situation because if he's no good, it's all right, he's no good. He's a third-round pick. Keep him as a backup. Keep him inactive, whatever. But if he's really talented, you say, okay, we might actually go and have something here. because, And then if he fools you, whatever, move on. You know, you're already in a place that is not going to be a playoff team anytime soon. So I think if you go and play them, I, I don't really see any downside to it. I know what you're saying where we won't actually know what his success could be, but I, I, I just think there's no there's no, there's no, no way you can't play him knowing that Eli's 37 years old, knowing that you're not going to move forward with him. Yeah, I like a lot what you said, David, when you said, see what you got in La Lota, and if he is something, you can either trade him for a pick or roll with him and then trade back and maybe build from the line out is what I think that John should have done to begin with. When they paid Odell this summer, I, I get it. He's a superstar in this league. He's probably the best receiver on some days at least. Um, but if you don't have a good line, you have nothing in this league. I'm, and they they get invested all their money in wide receiver and look where that got him now. I think the thing is, I think they thought the line was going to be better with signing Solder and stuff, yeah. but they were just wrong, just really, really wrong. And this team was supposed to be a playoff contender maybe, or at least that's what the – front office thought they're like all right we're gonna go for it and they went for it and they just they just fell out flat on their face i think the thing that goes and shocks me most is like you have people saying what were they thinking you know what were they thinking that this could have been a good team and i just go back to 2016 and i say what was that season you know you see a lot of these games where they'll play really well and then they end up on the losing end of it 2016 if you go and look back at those games or even look at the box scores you know just the quarter by quarter box scores their defense kept them in games it's not like they were even playing well Eli wasn't that good in 2016. He hasn't been that good in a while. And for the people that say he's the same quarterback, except he has no offensive line, I'm, I just can't buy that. I can't buy it. He's immobile. And not when I say immobile, I don't mean that he can't scramble or anything like that. I mean that when the rush comes, he's done. His feet are in cement. He's not going anywhere. And when you see a guy like Mahomes evade pressure, get out of the pocket, make a nice throw with his feet moving, Eli's not going to do that. And he's, I don't think he's capable of it. Yeah, and you talk about quarterbacks that aren't necessarily scrambling uh, quarterbacks like Russell Wilson or even Mahomes, but Tom Brady can like step up in the pocket and move around and avoid pressure. Like He's had some horrible offensive lines in his career, but he's made do. Eli, when the rush comes, he's sort of just dead to rights like a sitting mm-hmm. duck. No disrespect here. I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, but even watching the game last night, watching Brock Osweiler move outside the pocket and move around, that's Brock Osweiler. Like just Eli, It's he's not hanging in there. It's... <laughs> Would you rather have Eli or Brock Osweiler? Right oh, now? I'm not, that's why I said no I'm disrespect. Okay. Um, that's why I said no disrespect. <laughs> I'm just saying for movement, for movement purposes, for feet not getting stuck in the mud, I saw Brock Osweiler doing that more last night. I, I'm going to jump in here and say I'd go. rather have Brock Osweiler I'm not, I'm not against you. Eli. Go. Brock for, go. For, for multiple reasons. One, I mean, you're paying Eli a crap load of money at this point, so that's that. Two, Eli can't move, like you said. I mean, he, he can't move outside the pocket, and... 
even though Osweiler, again, he's he's not good. I'm not, I'm not going to say Brock <laughs> Osweiler is good, but that, that really tells you the state of where Eli Manning is at right now. And at least Osweiler could do something with his feet to maybe create a little bit more plays down the field and not just have these, I mean, literally every play against the Falcons was a little kind of set-up pass to Saquon Barkley, either behind the line or two feet in front of the line. I mean, they they, they take no chances downfield until the game's over. But, yeah, at least exactly, I think Osweiler exactly. will maybe do that. And they don't take chances throughout the game. And then when their back's against the wall, they're like, okay, we got to send it deep. You know, and it's it works, third and long. It works. It works. It really doesn't. I mean, it's it's such a disaster. I mean, you look at the throw that oh, oh, that Eli made to Odell late in the game. I yes, mean, it was perfect. It was like a 30-yard throw downfield, and it was perfect. Like, couldn't have made a better throw. Yeah. Like, where is that during the game? Why are we just doing dump passes to, to Barkley all day? And listen, I, I don't even like entirely disagree with it because the line sucks and Barkley can make some plays with his feet. But I mean, you, you gotta give him, you gotta give your players a chance to yeah. have some t- sort of success. And the Giants, whether that's the play calling or Eli, it, it's not happening right now. And that that's where I I'd almost rather have Osweiler in this situation because it seems like he'd be a guy who'd take chances downfield. Jackson, I don't want to spoil your last fantasy report, but I'm gonna guess Eli's not one of your sleepers. No, no, he's okay. not. I, okay. I don't even put him anywhere because he's, he's not even worthy of being near a fantasy lineup at any point. With that, we'll go into our uh, Jets segment. And before we do that, we'll have Jackson. What do you got? Duds? Duds, yeah. All right, duds. let's do it. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. So while we're on the quarterback team, I guess I'll, I'll stick with a, a different quarterback who, ironically, is probably the best in the game, but I don't think he's going to have a great week. Aaron Rodgers is on my duds list this week versus the Rams. It's not really entirely a knock on Rodgers' ability here, but you look at the injury news this week for the Packers. Geronimo Allison, questionable. Randall Cobb, questionable. Jimmy Graham, all three of those guys, decent chance they don't play this week. That leaves him with Devontae Adams, who's great, but again... When you only have one option going up a Rams, against a Rams defense that has Marcus Peters, even without Aqib Tlaib, you're going to be in trouble, and I just don't think that it's going to be enough for Rodgers to overcome. I'll head out to Seattle and Tyler Lockett, who's been a really interesting player this year. Usually a boomer bust guy, but he's been a big touchdown threat for Seattle. He's got a touchdown in five of Seattle's six games this year. But now Doug Baldwin is finally back. Six catches for 91 yards last week versus Oakland. Lockett is a risky play because he was kind of phased out of the offense last week. Just three catches in each of the last two weeks. Did have a touchdown last week, but just 13 yards. He goes up against an eighth-ranked pass defense in the Dallas Cowboys who can hold and kind of prevent that big play. Lockett does have some big playability, but again, he is a very risky play this week, being that secondary receiver to Baldwin. And finally, I'll go with Mark Ingram, who I, I don't even know if he's a dud at this point because he is a second running back in that offense to Alvin Kamara. But again, he has gotten some pretty big reps. He was a monster in the red zone in his return against the Skins, but down to 12 carries last week against the Red against the Ravens, excuse me, just 32 yards, and he's only averaging three yards per carry this year. He got a tough test again against the Vikings defense at a strong up front. Usually his knock, his calling card would be the red zone touches, but it's been Alvin Kamara getting the majority of those red zone touches, and I would expect that can, to continue against Minnesota. Interesting you say that, Jackson, about Mark Ingram, because I actually drafted him. I knew he was suspended, so I got him. I thought a really good value pick, and when he blew up his first week back, I was very excited. 
and last week I was very disappointed. To be fair, I think the first week was more about giving Kamara a break, and that's why he got so many touches, because Kamara is clearly the better back. I don't think that's any discussion here, but, I mean, Kamara was getting so many touches in those first, what, four weeks was it, that I feel like they just wanted to give Kamara a break, and when they got out to that early lead, that's why he got so many red zone touches. I mean, you look at last week against... Baltimore, just 12 carries, like I mentioned. He's not a threat in the passing game because Kamara is so good. I, I just don't see a big role from Mark Ingram at this point, and especially with the inefficiency in the run game. Oh, yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the uh, red zone touches. That's what I was kind of hoping. I hope I was hoping Kamara would take him down there, and then Ingram would just come in and steal like a two-yard, one-yard yeah. touchdown every time. That, that's, been the, that's, been that the, that's been the plan in the past for them, but I, I think a lot of it's going to go to Kamara because I think he's just clearly the better back, and ball security is not an issue with him. So. That's how I see it. So our Jets reporter Vinny DeBellis has his report prepared for week eight as the Jets will match up with the Bears. So let's take a listen to that. The Jets struggled last week against the Vikings in their third straight home game. It was a rough day for Darnold, who threw for three interceptions, and for the Jets' defensive unit as a whole, which led up 37 points to a dangerous Minnesota attack that has scored over 23 points in all but one game this year. The Jets sit at 3-4 headed into Sunday's contest against the Bears in Chicago, where Sam Darnold will face perhaps the toughest test he has seen all season. It will be without running back Bilal Powell, who suffered a neck injury last week that could be career-ending. Here's Jets head coach Todd Bowles on Powell. I mean, football-wise, anytime you lose a starter, Bilal was one of the hardest workers on this team. Um, it's a big blow from that standpoint, but you worry more about the person healing than you do the football player, so that's where we're at. Bowles said on Wednesday that the team would either promote someone from the practice squad or go out and sign another back in order to bolster the Jets' run game. Chicago holds a record of 3-3, three and three, but has been competitive in every one of its games. Mitch Trubisky has shown flashes of brilliance this year, making great strides from his rookie campaign last season. Trubisky has tools around him as well, which make the Bears such a multi-dimensional threat. When asked about Chicago on Wednesday, Bowles highlighted just how many things the Bears do well. Defensively, they're big up front. Press the pass it very well from the outside. The corners play the ball very well. We know they got a good linebacker that can hit. Offensively, they're very explosive. Uh, Gabriel and Tariq. They can get down the field on you in a hurry. They got White and they got Robinson as well. They, they can play. They got runners very good. Jordan, quarterback's playing well and he can run. He adds to the rushing game, rushing attack. So pass lane wise, we got to be disciplined and they got a great return game. So explosive team, very explosive team. I think this week will be a tough one for Gang Green. Expect Chicago to be extra motivated after losing heartbreakers each of the last two weeks. Darnold struggled in the wind last week, and I see him and the Jets' line struggling in the Windy City with a banged-up receiving core. Give me Chicago 28, Jets 10. Covering the... For WFUV Sports, I'm Vinny DeBellis. So, Vinny, good stuff there. Um, Jets matching up with the Bears this week. It's an interesting matchup. I mean, the Bears coming off that loss against New England, but I think the Bears are a really, really talented team, and you know, this is a tough part of the schedule for the Jets. they got to go and play the Bears on the road. That's not easy, you know, and this is a developing team with a developing quarterback. So 
I, I, I can see them running into a wall right here. Yeah, no, that Bears defense is seriously no joke. I know Khalil Mack was limited last week against the Patriots with his um with an ankle. Um, but now I'm hearing Robbie Anderson is questionable for this weekend, and that just takes one of the few weapons the Jets have away, and that's going to be a huge problem for them. Yeah, I think the Jets, their struggles are going to, I guess, continue into next week versus the Bears. The Bears, of course, they had that. They were basically a yard short of being able to, I guess, have another chance to beat the beat the Patriots. Uh, that's that's tough when you complete the Hail Mary and can't convert it. So they're probably going to have a little chip on their shoulder there. When I got there. the notification, it was like, Kevin Yard, Kevin White, one yard short of <laughs> touchdown. And then I saw it. I was like, was that like really one? Because he, he caught it on the one, mm-hmm. and then he landed and then kind of got pushed forward. And I was like, like oh, he was so forward. close. But, like, it wasn't as close as, like, I would have thought, you know, like from the notification that I got. But either way, like it's just a heartbreaking way to lose a game if you're a Bears fan. Um, and, you know, with this defense, like you mentioned, you know, Khalil Mack, whether he's 100% or not, is going to make a difference. And especially for, I mean, a line for the Jets that's been serviceable for the most part. But if I'm Sam Darnold, I'm just going to kind of be a little squeamish when I'm in the pocket saying, okay, there's one of the best, if not the best, pass rusher in football coming for me and I don't have great protection up here you know I've I've been very high on Donald this season I think he actually looked really I think he actually looked really good last week against the Vikings he made some great throws I think the kind of story of that game was a bunch of drops and that was hard to watch but um I think the Jets are gonna have to rely on Crowell this week uh just to kind of counteract that pass rush and give Donald some more time in the pocket um to kind of trip up that Bears defense definitely they're gonna have to be relying on Crowell because Powell Powell as we know is out for what is the season the news was that the neck injury might not be career ending which is good news also Pryor's no longer on the team Robert Anderson Anderson is doubtful Anunua is he out definitely I believe he's yeah, out definitely I think he is yeah so um, so yeah I mean the weapons tough. the weapons that going at the end of last year you were like okay they got something here you know Robbie Anderson almost had a thousand yards he was a legitimate deep threat he's really fast but you know, Jermaine Curse, same kind of thing, had over a thousand yards, really solid player, and they were good all around. And then they were getting a new one back, and they signed Crowell. And you say, okay, this is a team with some really good weapons. Couple injuries, couple guys don't perform. That's not so much the case anymore. So I think that's now the story of the Jets. And I think when they're going to draft this coming year, I don't believe it's a good wide receiver draft, but they're going to have to look for some weapons, whether it be trading that pick or making a couple moves where they can go and get some weapons for Sam Darnold. Yeah, with their two top guys gone, and well, Anderson's questionable and Newell's gone, uh, hurt. It makes you wonder, and we were talking a little before the show about this, if they should have let Pryor Walker not, because he was a big target, he was talented, and now it seems like they've got no one out there at receiver at this point. And that's just not a good situation at all to put your rookie quarterback in, put him out there against one of the best defenses in the league with no weapons, really, just no key weapons there. That's just a tough, tough situation to put him in. I, I got I got to jump in here for a sec because I, I I honestly think that the perfect target for the Jets next year it's not going to be this year but Le'Veon Bell is the perfect target for the Jets because one you, you kind of need this at type of safety blanket for Darnold not only in the run game but in the passing game because the offensive line has struggled for the most part of the year they've had troubles at center but I mean also this year I mean you mentioned the releasing of Terrell Pryor made no sense to me yeah no, I didn't at, get at it either. all I mean I, I know they want to save some money but I mean the fact that you're already down in Nunwa, Anderson's probably down now. You no Pryor, no Powell. 
they have to go out and get Rashard Matthews this week, who hasn't played all season long, right off the street. I mean, it, it, it honestly could be a real disaster for the Jets the rest of the year. And I, I know people like to point to the offensive line for various teams, but you got to have some weapons at some point. If it is a disaster, though, say they go, what are they, three and four? So say they go four and twelve this year, and you say, okay, you've seen some bright spots from Darnold already. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you have to see beyond what you've seen so far to say this is the franchise quarterback. Because, oh yeah, no, I, you know, I, I think they're I, all in. On I'm him. not. I'm not worried about Thornald. I'm not entirely worried about. It. Listen, the turnovers. I mean, they were concerned coming out of college. They and, were going to happen. And they're, they're, yeah, that happens in your rookie year. Carson Wentz threw 14 interceptions yeah. his first year. It, people turn the ball over. That that just happens. But I, this this was always about evaluation this year. This was always about that. And listen, they found a few pieces. I mean, the defense looks great. For the most part, they do have some concerns there, yes. but the secondary has been good. They probably need another corner, possibly in the draft, but I'm pretty happy with the defense is given. You, you do need weapons at some point. I mean, I, I personally think Bell is the perfect target. Like I mentioned, you have loads of cap space. Yeah. I yeah. don't really care about how selfish he is. I would or, go. Do you get, care about his age or? Yeah, I mean, listen, he's got he's got pretty much a full year off now at yeah. this point. So I I think he's going to come out fresh next year. You're not giving him so much guaranteed money, I think, given because he is a running back. So you're probably only on the books for him for, what, two or three years before you can uh, cut him? Yeah, I guess. But back to my original point, if they do go 4-12, and 12, they okay. have a top-five pick. Outside of the Jets fans being unhappy with how bad this season went, especially with how optimistic they were when it opened, is that the worst thing in the world for the Jets? I, I want to get you guys involved because I don't want to take over the there show go. completely. <laughs> but... uh. No, I I don't think it's the worst thing in the world at all. I actually think it'd probably be a better thing because one, you get the high draft pick, and it's a pretty good draft because the Jets also need a pass rusher really badly. Whether they go in free agency for Demarcus Lawrence or possibly try to go up and get Nick Bosa, I I, I think four and twelve is far from the worst case scenario for the Jets. I think I think I'd prefer four and twelve to see, with continued progress from Darnold yeah. and stuff like that than seven and nine at this point. Mm-hmm. That that's just how I see it. Yeah, and you get that draft pick, and I think. At this point, uh, this season for Jets fans, it's already almost a win because what you've seen from Darnold is just what you wanted out of a rookie quarterback. Um, and they weren't really expecting to go like even 8-8 eight and eight this year. So to see Darnold develop and see that he could be a star in this league, I think should be enough for them. That was exactly, took the words right out of my mouth there, <laughs> what I was thinking. I think what you're looking for this season as a Jets fan is for just Sam Darnold to progress, Sam Darnold to show bright spots. It's really all about Sam Darnold here. Obviously, you want to see other players grow and such, but... Sam Darnold, he's what you're looking to be. He's who Jets fans want to be, that franchise guy. And so far, he's he's been showing bright spots and all of that. So I think that's a positive. And you've seen development, too, out of a lot of the young um, defensive players, Jamal Adams, Darren Lee, among others. But anyway, Jets take on the Bears this week. We'll get our picks for that in our next segment, which is the Pickums following Jackson's sleepers. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. All right, guys, ironically enough, um, I have two Jets on my sleepers list this week, which is kind of funny at this point. But I'm going to start with the tight end, Chris Herndon, rookie this year, who has probably become Sam Darnold's primary target with, again, no Anderson, no Anunwa, no Pryor at this point. The receiving corpse is depleted, and the Jets' primary receivers coming this week are going to be Jermaine Curse, who had zero catches last week, and Rashard Matthews, who was signed off the streets essentially this weekend, is going to be thrown right into the fold. So it could be struggles for him. For Herndon, he managed seven targets last week, which is second on the team. He's been very prominent in the red zone. He has touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. 
He's a pretty good play versus Chicago, and he's only owned in 4% of leagues. So, interesting start there. Also, Trenton Cannon, I'm going to give you, is another rookie. He is another guy to add because, as we mentioned, Bilal Powell out for this year with the neck issue. Isaiah Crawl is also banged up. He's going to play, but with the ankle issue, I'm sure they don't want to use him too much in the passing game. The door is open for Cannon, who actually had a pretty big game last week. He had a big reception in the first quarter. Did have four or five catches, four catches on five targets in that game as well. He's going to become Darnold's safety bracket because, again, Chicago's going to bring a lot of pressure through Khalil Mack, as you guys talked about. He's only owning 6.8% of league, so he's a guy that couldn't see a high target share this week with so many guys out. And finally, I'm going to stay in the AFC East. Kenyon Barner for New England. No Sonny Michelle this week, leaving the Pats down to Barner and James White. Barner had 10 carries last week in, when Michelle went down, and he also should manage some goal line work and the majority share of the carries. He gets a pretty good matchup with Buffalo because this game could be a blowout. That will allow Barner to get some goal line carries and would accentuate his workload. He's only owed in 38% of leagues, and like I said, if it's a blowout, he's going to get a ton of work. Jackson, Jackson, good stuff. Um, I, I'm going to tell you my main league, to be honest, with these sleepers. I usually like to listen to sleepers like in years past. My main league, like, oh, my team's so good. I don't <laughs> really? need any sleepers. Oh, my God. My <laughs> wideouts, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Emmanuel Sanders. doesn't get better than that. How do you get A, B, and Odell? That's what I was going to say. I just trade because you draft two tight ends. You draft two of the best tight ends. You draft Ooh, Zach Ertz, and you draft... Travis couldn't get Gronk. Oh, but I went Kelsey okay. and Ertz traded Kelsey and a backup running back for a guy who needed a running back for uh, Odell. Well, my, my league's my team's falling apart. One of my main leagues. I mean, I've lost four tight ends already this year. In oh, one, I'm wow. just rattling off one wins. Year. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be too cocky. As, as Charlie comes back from the uh, from <laughs> behind the glass to tell us he's seven and zero, I am going to take him down this week though because DeAndre Hopkins already off to a good start there. But yeah, regardless, one league I've lost four running backs and two. Excuse me, four tight ends and two running backs already, and somehow I've managed to be 500. None of the, the most of the season running backs that were in my starting lineup last week played, and somehow I still won. So I, I don't know how that happened. Brag, humble brag. Just uh, I just want to. I don't know. Right. I'm not that let's, good though. So. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go into pickems. This is my favorite segment of each week. Uh, lining up the matchups for the week, and we'll just go into our pickems. First game. Philadelphia, Jacksonville in London. Jack, kick us off. Yeah, I think this is a big game for both teams, but I'm going to take Jacksonville on this one. They're in London. That's Bortles land. And uh, I think the defense is going to stunt the Eagles and uh, struggling Carson Wentz. Yeah, potential season changer for both these teams, but Blake Bortles is an atrocity. I, I, I can't see him <laughs> winning many more games this year. I'm going with the Eagles. i got to go with the Eagles, too. Just bad performance all around by the Jaguars last week, so... Got to go with the Eagles to rebound. I usually pick against the Eagles just because I am just not on the Doug Peterson. Car- I mean, maybe Carson Wentz train a little bit, but, like, I say this all the time. I picked against them in every round of the playoffs I, last I year. I did the same exact thing. <laughs> it was unbelievable. But uh, I'm going to go with Philly. Blake Bortles is a mess. Uh, Baltimore, Carolina. Baltimore, I got Carolina in that one. I think they're going to be rolling after that rolling win for his defending champions. I got, I got the Ravens. I'm big on the Ravens train. I think they're the best defense in football <laughs> at the moment, and I think they have enough offensively to get past Carolina. Yeah, I got to go with the Panthers here. I think they're they're 4-2 and two right now, and I feel like not enough people are talking about them. They had that sneaky win, as mentioned, last week, so we'll see if they can continue that. I'll go with Baltimore. Stick with Flacco. He's been playing really well, so I'll go Baltimore there. Jets-Bears. 
I'm taking Bears there to plant the historic Soldier Field and one of the Jets' only offensive weapons. We talked about it. Robbie Anderson's questionable. I think the defense is going to come after the Jets this weekend. I got the Bears. Yeah, I got Chicago. That front seven for the Bears is too dangerous. Darnold doesn't have enough weapons, and I think the offense for Chicago will just be a little too much for the Jets. I'm going with the Bears. I think Sam Darnold's going to be in for a rough day. Not necessarily his fault, but with that defense and no one to really throw to. Bears all around. Uh, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati. Interesting matchup, we'll say. I got the Bengals to bounce back after that embarrassing loss to Kansas City. I think the Bengals are good this year, um, more than they let on their past two games against since, uh, against uh, Kansas City and Steelers. Yeah, I, I got to go with the Bengals. Shout out Devin Clemente, who had the Bengals yeah. in the Super Bowl. Uh, he said that on a show I was hosting with when we were interviewing Mike Watts, which was really unbelievable statement. But, hey, they, they have been playing pretty well, like you mentioned. I think they'll bounce back after last week's catastrophe. Bengals at 4-3 and three right now, so I'm going to go with the Bengals here. Buccaneers really don't impress me too much right now yeah so. i'm with you i'm not big on the box i'm not big on Jameis. i'm gonna go cincinnati seattle detroit i think these are two pretty similar teams two teams that mm -hmm. are kind of middling out I'm so in this scenario i'm just take the home team i'm taking detroit yeah i like detroit obviously the big ad in damon harrison this week they're playing red hot and they finally got a running game carry on johnson's been great for them i'm taking detroit i gotta go with detroit here too seattle's offensive line it isn't great maybe snacks will have a good game there in his first game so yeah i'm going with the lions I'm gonna go with Seattle. I'm not. I'm not gonna doubt uh, Russell Wilson. I'll, I'll go with the Seahawks in this one. Denver, Kansas City. I know at this point in the season, Kansas City usually backs off a little bit. Most Andy Reid-led teams do, yeah, but yeah. I'm gonna take the Chiefs in this one. They're too hot. They're too good to lose at home against the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos stink. They they really do. I, I, they have nothing offensively. Their receiving core is not put to use because of Case Keenum. And I, I think Kansas City is just way too good, way too many weapons there. Yeah, Case Keenum is not going into Arrowhead and beating Patrick Mahomes, so i got to take the Chiefs here. Yeah, at home, no doubt. I mean, if it was in Denver, maybe it's a different story and it mixes things up a little bit, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Giants, Redskins, I have the Redskins, Jack. I think this game has tracking potential, I also have the uh, but I have the Redskins regardless just because I think um, the Giants don't have enough. Yeah, the Redskins are much better than the Giants. Yeah, Redskins are in first place in the NFC East. But... Giants are in the basement, Redskins. I think this is the first time everyone's picked against the Giants. I feel like there's always one or two, maybe even sometimes like four, that go, oh, the Giants are going to do it this week. It's I got to say, I don't, think, I, don't think I've picked, I don't think I've ever picked the Giants on this show. <laughs> I think ever. I have every time. Uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. You know, give me Cleveland this one. After week one tie, I think Cleveland comes right into Heinz uh, Field and gets the job done. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, their offense is finally starting to get going. Antonio Brown slowly getting more involved. Dangerous receiving core. James Conner's great. I don't think the Browns have enough. I'm going to go with the Steelers here. They're at home. Uh, Browns offense was slow to get started and really didn't come alive till end of the game last week, so I don't think they're going to have enough to get past the Steelers. I think the tie tells me that the Steelers are going to come out firing on all cylinders right away, and I think they're going to win big. Uh, I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Indian uh, Indianapolis and Oakland. Uh, I think we should take Indianapolis here. Oakland's kind of punting on the season. Uh, they're trading away all their good players, so I'll take Indianapolis. John Gruden doesn't deserve to win another game this year. <laughs> uh, I'll say that. And I, I think the Colts are finally starting to get into a group offensively. I'll take Indianapolis. I'm going to take the Colts, too. Andrew Luck is good. He now has Hilton back. Uh, finally, he has someone to throw to now, so i got to go with the Colts here. I'm going with a Derek Carr hate win. Ooh, over Ow. Indy. Ooh. Yeah, he hates the Raiders so much. He's like, I hate these guys. I'm just going to win it by, by myself. So I'm going to go to Derek Carr hate win over Indy. San Francisco, Arizona. Horrible um, game. Horrible oh, two <laughs> just horrible teams. Very, very bad teams. 
I'm just going to take the home team, taking Arizona in this one. I, I can't get myself to pick the Cardinals at all this year. They are <laughs> such a disaster. And as bad as San Francisco is, I think there's a little more there. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Chosen Rosen. Let's, let's see how it goes. Uh, I, I'm big on Byron Lefwich, who's a gritty quarterback in Jacksonville. He's taking over as EOC. I'm going with Arizona. Uh, Green Bay and the Rams. This is my favorite game of the week. This should be a hot one. I think the Los Angeles will lay waste to the Dem- to Green Bay defense, though. Sorry. Um, and it's going to be another huge game from Gurley. The Rams are going 8-0. I don't think it's any doubt. I think this is going to be a blowout, actually. The Packers don't have enough weapons with, as I mentioned, Graham, Cobb, and Allison all could possibly be out. This is going to be a steamrolling. I don't want to pick against Rodgers, but this pick is really me picking against the Green Bay defense, so yeah, Rams all the way on this I one. Can't, I, I can't do it. I can't <laughs> pick against them. I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh, New Orleans, Minnesota. Um, I'm taking Minnesota. I think Thielen and Cousins are going to light up the New Orleans defense. I think this will be a stepping stone for Minnesota. Best one. quarterback? Best quarterback in the league. <laughs> right down. <laughs> I'm taking the better quarterback in Drew Brees because he's a lot better than Kirk Cousins at I'll this take- point. And Listen, they got the receiving weapons. Now you got a balance in the run game with Ingram back and Kamara. I think that offensively, the Saints are a big-ass powerhouse, and I just think it's going to be too much. I'm going with the Saints here. The defense has shown improvement, and I feel like that was the biggest question mark there. So I think I think Breeze can really just handle this Vikings defense. Yeah, I'll go with the Saints. Um, same thing. Breeze, uh, not much more you can say there. Last one, New England-Buffalo Monday Night Football. I'm taking the Pats by a billion. Uh, Buffalo is very bad, and everyone knows as it gets colder, the Patriots only get more powerful. I'll take the Pats by a trillion. I, they're, they're so much better than Buffalo, and the quarterback situation is still a problem with the Bills. I feel like I don't have to say anything here, Pats. Our engineer, Charlie Maizano, as everyone was, like, before everyone picked, I just saw it New England, New England, New England across the board <laughs> on, the, on the Google Doc. So I'm not going to throw a wrench in it. I'm going to go with New England there. Um, so, yeah, nice job, guys. I'm not sure how much my voice can handle, but uh, Jack Reagan. Yeah, I got through it, and I'm falling apart right now. So <laughs> Jack Reagan, Jackson Howard Fantasy, Lauren Russell, Evan Jenkins, Charlie Mazzano in the back. Nice job all around, guys. This has been NFL Friday for Week 8. Tune in every week for NFL Friday.